Triple Play Fantasy's Football Show with D. Mindy, Brastadamus, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now. What's cooking? Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show, a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the Fantrax HQ family. D. Mendy here, joined as always by Johnny Foosball, John Van Etten. John, did you enjoy watching Taysom Hill on Nickelodeon this weekend? <laughs> I don't enjoy watching Taysom Hill on any channel. Did it make it more positive for you seeing him on the kids' channel? <laughs> I mean, it's it's cool. You know, there's only so many players who can get, you know, seven yards here and there. <laughs> we are also joined by a guy who says I like to tweet for clout. And it's the doc, Eric Mendelson. What's going on? You know, I had to had to uh, unblock or go non-private from my normal one because I had a fire tweet today. But I'd have to go back to private so I don't get the clout. That's big for you. But rounding out our normal crew is a proud Washington football team fan and part of the Taylor Heineke movement. It's the Brad Stradamus, a.k.a. Brad Kilgore. What's going on? You're overstating it a little bit. I don't know that I'm proud at all. You're not proud after they put up a, an amazing performance underhanded against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I wish they never made the playoffs so we would have had a better pick. That's fair. That's fair. But they are in a, the right direction, which is what matters. But I want to introduce our guest this week. And joining the pod, we welcome in a man that may be known as a late-round guy. But to us, he's a first-round pick. The editor-in-chief at FanDuel and Number Fire, author of Late Round Quarterback, and host of the Late Round Podcast and Living the Stream, this Pitt Panther and dad might have the most handsome cartoon face on Twitter. You've heard of Jay-Z. Well, we got the next best thing in JJZ. That's JJ Zacharyson. What's going on, man? What's going on? That's probably the best intro that I've ever had on a podcast. <laughs> I, that's, that's some good stuff there. Uh, but thanks for having me. I'm really excited about doing the show. We're really happy that you're here. Uh, I was a little more pumped up before we talked prior to the show, and I found out your top five Nick list for the 90s. And um, yeah. I'm wondering about your taste a little bit. But other than that, man, you do great work, and we're really happy to have you. Yeah, look, I mean, people people were definitely uh, pooping on the uh, the list that I that I tweeted out of my top five Nickelodeon shows from being, from a 90s kid. And people were saying that uh, you know they, they liked what I was doing in the fantasy space, but they don't like what I'm doing outside the fantasy space, which... <laughs> To me, to me, that's probably the best compliment I could get because the stuff that I'm doing in fantasy football and such is the stuff that's my job and, and whatnot, and that's what I need to do well. So I'll take it. I'll take it. If my if my Nickelodeon show t- tastes are bad, that's fine. This Bless is some there. cable privilege. Uh, what about those of us who were watching Weta or UPN? <laughs> Name your top five UPN shows of all time. <laughs> did you have, did, did non non? Did you have like TGIF and stuff at least? I don't remember. I just, it was it's Arthur, all about Arthur, the, definitely what Arthur the CW is Arthur. now or used to be. Uh, a lot of everybody hates Chris. Oh, that was, oh yeah, that was always a classic show. But that got a little old after a while for me. But um, JJ, I want for the people, in case they've been living under a rock, our listeners, and they don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and just kind of the late round brand in general? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm the editor in chief over at FanDuel. Um, I started. I'm still the editor in chief at Numberfire as well. But we were we were bought by FanDuel a few years ago, a handful of years ago at this point. Um, so I'm doing content for FanDuel, Numberfire, uh, the Late Round Podcast is uh, sort of my baby within the space now. Uh, I've done you know 470 ish episodes at this point, point. Um, and it's really the way that I approach it. You know, I'm a numbers driven analyst for sure. 
Um, but the way I approach it is more of like a, a TED talk, if you will. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's very short, 15 to 20 minute episodes. I try to dig into very specific topics and, and keep things interesting from that perspective. Um, but I keep it short, uh, keep it sweet and jam pack as much information as I possibly can. And you do such a great job of it, obviously. Again, I think people have to really be under a rock to not know who you are. And uh, that's why we're so excited to have you on for such an important topic. We got a couple guys popping in. T King Mode's always the man. Appreciate him popping in here. But we got a big show lined up for you. And I was really pumped to have this topic for you. And tonight, what we have is in the huddle, the fantasy football bachelor. And it's never too early to look at who you're falling in love with for next season. Since the Bachelor contestants are always young, we'll be looking at two players from the combined class of 2021 rookie class, the 2020 rookie class, and the 2019 rookie class. And you're going to be naming two players that you would like to hand your roses to, but only one can win your heart. And this is all going to be in the dynasty context. And remember, it's extremely taboo. You can't fall in love with two players. That's a big no-no for that show. So only one. After that, we'll go to our question of the week. What position in fantasy do you always seem to have the most success drafting? And as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first up to bat is our news and notes. All right. So no news and notes. <laughs> so news and notes here. First one we have, the Browns got their first playoff win in 26 years and are cleared from COVID protocols after the latest round of testing, leaving them at full strength and full arsenal against the Kansas City Chiefs. So JJ, I want to start with you. After their impressive beatdown on Pittsburgh, do you give them a shot against Kansas City? Um, so I'll give them a shot for sure. I mean, I think that any team can win any given Sunday. I mean, there's a reason that, uh, they're the biggest underdogs on the slate this weekend, uh, just because obviously Kansas city is super, super strong, uh, can do a lot offensively. Um, but I, I think, you know, if you look at what they did well against Pittsburgh, uh, they won that game with a combination of really winning at the line of scrimmage and really doing well at, at holding that Steelers pass rush, which obviously is, arguably the best or was the best this season, you know, took a little bit of a hit when Bud Dupree got hurt, but uh, the Steelers had zero quarterback hits on Baker Mayfield in that game, which is just hard to believe. Um, you know, they had zero sacks in that game too. Um, so it's in that that's from a team that generated the most pressure in football this year. Uh, and, and what's interesting about Kansas city is that they're also a team defensively uh, that tries to be pretty aggressive um, and, and they blitz and they'll, they'll send that. Uh, and if if Cleveland hypothetically can do what they did with their, I mean, the crazy thing too is it was a fairly makeshift offensive line for Cleveland, and they were still able to do what they did. Um, but if they're able to do that against Kansas City, I do think there's a chance because Kansas City's susceptible defensively against the run, um, and that's what Cleveland can do very very well. Um, and not only that, but Cleveland utilizes their tight ends a lot through the air, uh, and Kansas City's been better against perimeter wide receivers. So uh, I I don't think that it's out of the question that they can. Uh, win this game because of what's going to go on in the trenches. Uh, do I think they will? No, but I do think that there's a possibility that, that an upset can happen. Do you think it will be a one score game that comes down to the last possession? Like Patrick Mahomes gets the ball last to win the game. Uh, I don't think it'll be, I, I, I would, I honestly, if I, if I were to say like, I think Cleveland's probably going to cover. Um, but I, I don't know if it's going to be like that close. Might be one of those things where like Cleveland's down, like 10 or 11 towards the end of the game and they score a touchdown and it, it looks closer than it actually is. But, you know, like I said, they, they like if they, they should be able to run the ball. And, and obviously, you know, I'm not someone who says you got to run the ball to win in the NFL because it's generally not what data says. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, against a team like Kansas City, if you can run it effectively, you're, you're not giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that's very, very important. Agreed. Brad, what would you like to add to that? JJ stole my thunder a little bit saying they were going to cover. I thought I had a hot take, but now it's just a little <laughs> warm. Uh, so, I mean, to me, the playoffs are a momentum-fueled, survive-in-advance single elimination tournament, and the Chiefs didn't play last week, and it's not like they were hitting on all cylinders when they got their bye. You know, in the past three games, they've outscored their opponent in only three of 12 quarters. That's not a recipe for success against a team whose confidence is at an all-time high. They just had an upset performance against a strong offense, and they've got the defensive line to not let Mahomes get too comfortable in the pocket. Um, JJ Manson mentioned that Kansas City can be run on. I think the Browns are definitely going to cover, and I actually think that they're going to win. Wow, that's that's spicy. Love it. Wow. Yeah, man. Right, we're not friends this week. Put, put, put your money up. <laughs> put your money up, everybody. <laughs> Eric, you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, they basically stole what I was going to say. I mean, Cleveland, I think, All is right, essentially you playing. Talk. You can stop talking then. John, what about you? <laughs> I, was, I gave him no shot last week with COVID. I thought that would have been a much bigger roadblock. I mean, the coach was watching on a delay. Like, how can they come back and actually do well? But yeah. um, I'm hoping they beat the Chiefs as a sort of a homer pick in me. I don't want the Chiefs to move on. So let's make it happen. Let's bring the energy. All yeah. right. I love it. Eric, and, we'll get to you I, next. I'm cutting you off. Going to the next okay. one here. Aaron Donald is reported to have suffered torn rib cartilage on his rollover tackle, Russell Wilson. He did not come back into the game, but could have played. He's expected to play against the Packers. But are you worried about the Rams' chances if he's not 100%? Because Aaron Donald makes such a difference for that defense. Doc, go ahead. Uh, I'm a little concerned, but Aaron Donald is going to play. I mean, the Rams are in the playoffs. Like J.J. and Brad said, it's a single-game elimination. I think they match up really well against the Packers. Hopefully, Jalen Ramsey does a good job shadowing Devontae Adams and getting pressure on Aaron Do- or Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we could very well see some upsets this weekend. There's a lot of Aarons in that game. It's easy to trip up. John, what about you? Obviously, a injury to who is possibly the best defensive tackle is concerning. But um, as long as they don't pierce his lung when they're giving him some sort of a pain injection, I think they'll be okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what about you, JJ? Yeah, I mean, bottom line with this game is that there's no chance that that the Rams win a shootout against against the Packers. So they're going to need that defense badly. Um, and obviously, Aaron Donald being Aaron Donald, my from my alma mater, for the record, from wow. Pitt. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think he does play. I think he's, he's going to be obviously a disruptive force. Uh, and I agree. I think that they match up pretty well against green Bay. Um, but I still expect, I, I think the big, honestly, the big factor in this game might be the, the temperature and the weather, uh, and with LA not being as good on the road and then not being used to, uh, that sort of environment and climate, uh, that honestly might be the difference in the game. Cam Akers over or under 24 and a half carries. It's, I mean, hope, hope. I mean, they would they would ideally love the over, but I think that you still probably have to go under just because game script might not be in his favor there. That's a fair point. Brad, put the cherry on top for this one. Yeah, like JJ said, I'm worried about the Rams because their offense, not their defense, to be honest. I think Goff played surprisingly well considering he just had surgery, but there's a reason he wasn't the starter for the last game. And the starter for the last game was has barely any NFL starting QB experience and I think this is the type of game that they need their defense to win for them. And a healthy Aaron Donald or not, I think being in that position makes me nervous. All right. Well, well said. Let's move to the next topic here. And just want to touch on a little bit about the veteran QBs, Ben Roethlisberger and Phil Burroughs, both suffered first-round exits. Do you think just right now, this is purely just your gut, do you think either, neither, or both come back next year, Brad? Yeah, I think they both come back. 
Um, Ben seems happy to see relative to how he's finished his last few seasons. I think going 7-0 and losing in the wild card will leave a sour taste. And he's got a lot of money to take down. I think we'll see him again. And Phillip Rivers, has, he's got all his kids, man. He's going to play longer than Brady plays. Quiet as kept. No, I agree. And yeah, I agree. JJ is fire emoji. I'm with you there. <laughs> Nimble numbers. Eric? Yeah, I think they both play. I think next year is both their last seasons. I mean, they did make the playoffs and did look, you know, they didn't look washed up. I think they just had bad performances. But I think the teams are going to start looking at bridge quarterbacks and have them under that veteran leadership for a season. All right. John, anything you would like to add? I, I just have to say, if they've been taking Rivers out for different sets, whether it's a sneak or Hail Marys, if your quarterback can't get it to the end zone for a game-winning Hail Mary, I really think you need to evaluate that. They could put me in for that. I'll swarm up my arm. <laughs> JJ, what about you? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I think both are, are coming back. I mean, if you're Philip Rivers and you have 16 kids, you got to figure out how to get out of the house at some <laughs> point and be doing he's something. I mean, I got how to get more. He wants retirement. He's he yeah. want more. True. <laughs> he's got to think about. He's got to think about all their college tuition. True. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I'm all about dad life, so I, I'm uh, I'm I I definitely uh, can understand if he wants to to get back to his family and whatnot, but. Uh, I think I think they both go come back this year. Uh, Roethlisberger, I feel a little bit more confident actually. You know, uh, Pittsburgh media right now is very much trying to to close the door on the Roethlisberger era uh, and be done with it. Uh, just just given how he performed down the stretch, I think a lot of what Roethlisberger did this year was more offensive line based than Roethlisberger himself, to be honest. Um, and and Randy Finkner, the the offensive coordinator. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would, I, I'm right now, I would bet that both would come back. I feel a little bit more confident in Roethlisberger though, just given his comments like three weeks ago. That's a very good point. And the last bit I want to touch on here, Doug Peterson was fired. Obviously it's going to look very different in Philly next year, but I think it's a little early to speculate what's going to happen. I would just want to know your guys' thoughts on that first game on Nickelodeon, the slime zone, eyeballs popping out of heads, people getting slimed, all the great stuff that we saw. I was a big fan of that. JJ, is this something that should continue going forward? Yeah, and I want to give props to Nate Burleson, too. Like, that dude, mm-hmm. he's so good at whatever he does. It's honestly frustrating. But, uh, <laughs> he, I mean, they, I thought that they did a really good job. I thought it was funny. I thought that they – I mean, it was, it was perfect for – I mean, I don't have a kid who's, like, in that age range that would enjoy it. My daughter's too young. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought they did a really, really good job. And I think the slime cannons should be on, on every telecast. Got the river's odds and <laughs> have another kid for uh, Brad, what about you? Does this Nickelodeon thing need to be a thing? Absolutely. I, I probably didn't watch enough of it. I want it to be on MTV next year. Let's get all the players singing or something. Oh, I like that. That's a good, that's a great idea. Doc, anything different that you would like to add? Just to touch on JJ's point, Nate Burleson did a great job. And I love when he explained what Taysom Hill is to the kid. (laughs) (laughs) So I would want to know more than anything from that game. Did he prepare the comparisons ahead of time when he called, like, I forgot one thing he called when you were uh, getting pushed out of bounds, like you got a scrape in the schoolyard or like you scraped your knee or something like that. Like he had all of those comparisons (laughs) lined up. And I was like, if he did this on top of the head, he is the greatest of all time. And it was the kid. There was like a kid sideline reporter too, wasn't there? Yeah, he, he blew up after. Yeah, he did like an off. Obama impression. No, yeah. did he really? <laughs> I love it. Uh, one time, JD told me it was stupid for asking questions. <laughs> oh, Yancey. <laughs> uh, love Yancey on this show. Yancey's one of our guys here, too. But also, yeah, a lot of news and notes, actually, in one week. 
But if you like what you're hearing so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and a basketball show you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up the Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, really bad, stupid takes, and of course, our weekly episode drops. What's more surprising than a brown cow spewing chocolate milk? Well, I'll tell you, you not being subscribed to the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast. Maybe it's your first time, you're nervous, and you don't know what to do, and you don't know what you'll be getting into. So I wanted to let you know, here we are warm, we are safe, and always trying to take things slow. So step on in, the water's fine. Join us for an amazing off-season of football content with no shortage of guests, hence JJ here. So thank you to our loyal fans who already stream us for your listens each and every single week. And we are going to jump into the Fantasy Football Bachelor right after this quick break. And we're back. And we are here with... Hi. I've never watched The Bachelor. Is that the music? (laughs) I'm David Harrison, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Bachelor. Tonight, our journey begins. This was a season in football that we thought might not happen. In a season in which COVID ran wild, this put a burden on our real lives and, of course, our fantasy ones. This show is about finding love, even through the most difficult times. We have an eligible fantasy bachelor. We have four eligible fantasy bachelors that need that love right now. As millions tune in, our bachelors won't be handing out roses for love, but who they are in love with for Dynasty. Expect plenty of drama, expect hearts to be broken, and expect ultimately for everyone to find their true match. We have a nice crop of players from the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end groups here ready to happily be yours if you're ready to get down on one knee. So without further ado, why don't we meet our Nice, beautiful contestants here. And start off with the quarterbacks. Now you guys can see my face again. So I was looking at Chris better. (laughs) So JJ, you're the guest. You're our first eligible fantasy bachelor on this show. So I want to give you any quarterback that's either in the 2019 class, the 2020 class, or in this incoming class, whichever you're most comfortable as your two, you can hand the rose to two, but you can only pick one to get down on one knee for. Who are those two quarterbacks, and then who are you ultimately choosing? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I kind of approach this from like a value standpoint. Guys who you know I think uh, make the most sense as values that I would that I would want as on my team if I were looking at a startup or what have you or, or trade. Um, I haven't admittedly gone too deep into the into this year's uh, rookie class yet. That usually happens for me at the end of January, but. Uh, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep it pretty simple at the quarterback position. The two guys, one being Kyler Murray, um, you know, someone who, uh, you know, at this point in, in the fantasy football world, you really need that rushing component, um, for, for your quarterback in order to have a, a truly high ceiling. Uh, we saw numbers this season, uh, you know, at, at the quarterback position where not only were, was passing up a little bit, but rushing per game for these top 12, top six quarterbacks was, was up very dramatically, uh, but Kyler saw an increase in passing efficiency this year uh, uh, versus the, the past year. Um, but the downside, I will say, with Kyler 
you know, because because every every love story has has some sort of hiccup. Uh, the the downside with Kyler is I, I do want to see him push the ball down the field a little bit more and be a little bit more aggressive than he has in this in this Cl- Cliff Kingsbury offense. Uh, but Kyler is is one who would should I should I present a rose to him or I guess I'm only giving out one rose. Oh no no here you go. There's Kyler Murray's rose. There there we go. Okay perfect <laughs> perfect. Uh, and then the other guy who uh, I'm I'm deciding between is Justin Herbert. Uh, after what he did. This season, we know what he can do with his arm. Uh, we saw that all season long. You know, his final numbers weren't drastically amazing. They weren't they weren't incredible in terms of efficiency. Um, but what I'm kind of intrigued by with Herbert is that uh, he had really good measurables. Uh, he's he's way more athletic than what he showed this year, and I do think that he has that in his game. Maybe a, a new a new coaching staff changes that a little bit, and he's able to be a little bit more mobile. Um, that would be awesome for fantasy purposes. So I'm a little bit intrigued by that. But overall, I think the safer bet and the guy that I think will be around as a high-end QB1 year in and year out is Kyler Murray. So, JJ, are you telling me you're getting down on one knee to Kyler Murray to be your fantasy quarterback? I am. I am. I should have put a ring in here. But (laughs) the imaginary ring will go to Kyler Murray. The match is perfect. Brad, you are our next bachelor on docket here. Who are the two people that are eligible for your rose? I also had Kyler Murray, of course. He was my number one QB for this year. I'm going to mention that every time so I can get credit. But uh, the guy that I'll pick is actually Tua. So Tua is my favorite because, you know, after a pedestrian rookie season by recent standards, I think it needs to be said that Tua will have almost a year's worth of starts under his belt by next year. And sometimes it just clicks for you, you know, assuming they draft a lineman to protect him or a more, you know, more wide receiver talent to make his job easier, I think you'll be able to draft to a much lower than any other QBs, which will allow you to build out a much more scarce position like running back. So I like to find quarterback value, and I think he's going to give you some serviceable numbers. We won't acknowledge Mattern's trolling of my team here. Um, so Tua is your pick. Very interesting guy, I have to say. He was kind yeah. of off in the distance when we were doing the selection, he didn't think his name was going to be called. So I'm glad right. you were able to keep him involved, give him a rose. Uh, and I, Tua, in the rough. I, I'll give you your rose here, Tua. Doc, you're up next. Uh, most of them do not want to be involved with you. So one of them unfortunately has to. So who are your two that you're kind of siding between here? Well, the reason they don't want to be is because they found out I was related to you. Uh, Kyler Murray was one of mine. And just to touch on the rushing stats, he was 17th in rush yards. And these are the players that had more rushing touchdowns than him. Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Cam Newton, Josh Jacobs, and Nick Chubb. So tied for third or fourth in rushing touchdowns. So that's an addition to his passing upside. My other one is Justin Herbert. He set the QB rookie passing touchdown playing only 15 games. He had five rushing touchdowns as well, which is that sneaky upside. He's a new coach who I think is going to have better time management. I think about that Thursday night game against the Raiders when they were putting a whooping on them. Then Herbert only threw the ball two times in the fourth quarter. And then to win the game, they tried doing a QB bootleg where he got lit up. And I look at his weapons. He has Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. I think he's going to be in a great position to succeed for years to come. All right, this is your final rose tonight. Which one are you picking? I'm picking Herbert. Come to daddy. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Johnny, go ahead. Last bachelor on the list. 
Go ahead, take it away. Who's your guys? Well, I had I had Kyler, of course, as well, just because he's proven uh, with his production that he's really the number one guy. But then I had Jalen Hurts from week 13 onward. He was eighth in fantasy points per game, and that includes him inexplicably missing a quarter in the last game. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and as always, uh, JJ mentioned it, the rushing upside, you love it. It's important in this day and age. And as long as the Eagles don't get Adam Gase, then maybe he can develop into something with a full offseason. He, he hasn't had a full offseason. <laughs> um, people, I'm hearing whispers now with Doug Peterson gone that Carson Wentz could be back in the driver's seat as a starter. Yeah, I'm worried about that. That's the only it thing that can make any sense. <laughs> the whole, I mean, I've heard the organization $75 million <laughs> over the cap as it stands right now. So that's that in itself is a major problem. Who oh, that, I, uh, I said this last week, the cap, it's it's fake. It's arbitrary. It's not real. Just see what happens if they go over. I, I want to see the NFL do an actual punishment <laughs> before I believe the cap's real. JJ, who do you think has more value on the trade market, you know, in the real NFL, Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts? Probably Carson Wentz. Well, I mean, when you when you factor in contract and such, uh, um, you know, there's there's definitely some some iffiness to it. But I I don't I think that that the fantasy world probably understandably likes Jalen Hurts more than the NFL world does, right? Right. Um, because I mean he did have some hiccups as as a passer, you know, down the stretch. I think that unfortunately, um, you know, we we pay way more attention to what goes on with a quarterback's arm than what's going on with his legs, even though like what we see, like the, the, if you look at like an expected points model, for instance, you're going to see a, a huge impact with what quarterbacks can do with their legs. Uh, and that usually just gets dismissed, like with the media and with a lot of teams too, it seems like. Um, so I, I would, I would probably say once just because he's more traditional, but um, to me, I would at least want to get more out of Hertz and see what you could get from Hertz because I think there's at least a lot of upside there. I also but, saw that um, there was some stat that said, only one quarterback had more interceptable balls thrown than Carson Wentz last year, and it was Jalen Hurts over like <laughs> those past two games. Wow. That was interesting. That's an interesting stat. Well, let's go from stuff that hurts to running backs that put the hurt, and let's go to the running back position, the bruising position here. Our next eligible bachelors are standing on stage six feet apart, COVID protocols, of course, and we're going back to our top eligible bachelor here in JJ. JJ, this is they want you to pick them. These other three are the consolation prizes here. So make someone's night. Who are the two you're looking at? And then you ultimately have to pick one. So I'm going to go with two from this past draft class. First one, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so this isn't very predictive, but Taylor uh, outperformed his teammates uh, in, in yards per carry this year by a full yard, which was 10th best among the 47 running backs that had 100 or more carries. Final six games, we saw that he was a true stud, true workhorse, ranked no worse than RB15 in his final six, averaged over 24 PPR points per game. I think there's a little fear that that with Naheem Hines there, that Jonathan Taylor you know, doesn't necessarily maximize what he could see from a target share standpoint, but he was a great pass catcher this year. So, I mean, aside from the playoff game this past week where he kept dropping passes, but uh, so I'm, I'm definitely, definitely liking Jonathan Taylor a lot. And the other running back, Antonio Gibson. So among that same subset of 100 or more uh, of, of running backs with 100 or more carries, uh, Gibson ranked fifth best uh, in his rate in gaining positive yards. And he was also fifth best in his rate of, of gaining two or more yards in the entire league. Um, and by the way, this came all after Antonio Gibson carried the ball 33 times throughout his college career. He's a freak. He's got insane measurables. 
And here's the scary part with Antonio Gibson is that he did all of this this year where he became super fantasy relevant, especially down the stretch with only a 7.4% target share in 14 games. Uh, we know that he can be a pass catcher. He played wide receiver in Memphis for a while. Uh, so I, I, I don't only like Antonio Gibson. I am in love with Antonio Gibson. <laughs> oh, he is. Right he is my dude. Breaking yeah. news. Love it. Wow. That's are a you, uh, rose right there. Are you worried about any uh, Bryce love next year? No, uh, I'm oh not, not really. I, so, I mean, you like, think he's too hurt? What's going on there? Gibson, Gibson's just, just really, really good, and he, he, he fits what they want to do there too. What, what Scott Turner wants to do, and, and what they want to do offensively. His, his versatility. I mean, he's a Swiss Army knife, and like I said, the crazy thing is they didn't use him nearly. I mean, I so I drafted him a lot this year in redraft and in dynasty, but yeah. I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting this this PPR potential machine, right? Because there's not many right. alternatives in that that offense. And then JD McKissick steps in after he owned me on Twitter, by the way. But he he steps <laughs> in. I, I I listed. I said Antonio, or I said JD McKissick was 190 pounds, and he he corrected me on Twitter and said it was, he was 198 pounds. Just to, to <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. I love um, that. So so uh, my my father JD McKissick, uh, he he caught a lot of passes. Uh, you know he he did he did what we thought Antonio Gibson was going to do this year. Um, but yeah. Gibson to me, he just has the total package and he has the measurables to go along with it. Um, so I'm just I'm very very high. I mean. The other thing too, considering he did this this year, Antonio Gibson did this this year behind, I mean, in, in not a great situation at all. And then you're yeah. adding on top of that, the fact that he did this while converting to the position. He didn't even play running back in college. So it's, there's just so much upside with Gibson. Uh, I'm way higher than the consensus uh, from my dynasty rankings perspective. I think that he's in the same tier as like a Swift and maybe in like a Dobbins as well. Whereas Ooh. a lot of people are high on Swift, understandably, and then low, a little bit lower on Gibson, but I think they're all sort of in the same tier there. Antonio Gibson's interesting because, like you said, no quarterback, no deep threat of the passing game. You have Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas catching passes, but again, they're, I feel like they're a little bit more intermediate route runners. They're not really stretching the field, so everybody's kind of brought in a little bit more to guard the run, and uh, I think it's kind of interesting that I don't think his floor could get any lower this year than it was. I think, like you saw, if the Redskins or if the Washington football team's offense is able to get a little bit more deep, take the top off the defense, stretch the field a little bit more, have better wide receivers to uh, have to defend and take people away from kind of defending the run, sky's the limit. So I, I really like that, actually. That's a really good take. And a very. What shocked me most about Antonio Gibson is that he just runs so hard. He's breaking so many tackles and he's yeah. kind of a slight, he's, he's not small, but he's a slighter build. You know, he doesn't look huge on TV. So it's, it was interesting to me how, you know, the teams would still stack the box and he's still breaking tackles and getting five yard games. It's a beast. Very true. So let's get away. Cause Antonio Gibson didn't think his name was going to be called, but he was called down. He's happily, <laughs> happily together. Now doc, I'm going to go to you next. Which one of these running backs that are now running away do you want to take? Well, you know what? It was between Jonathan Taylor and CEH, and I'm going to go with CEH. I'm going to make you happy for once, David. I'm, I know ahead. I normally disappoint you as your younger brother. Go ahead. I look, I look at this week, and his first 11 weeks, he scored double-digit fantasy points in nine of them before his DNP at Denver where he was active but didn't get a snap. But he scored double-digit fantasy weeks with only scoring five touchdowns and he didn't have great red zone success, but Patrick Mahomes wanted him. That is the future of the Kansas city chiefs. They have probably one of the highest power offenses in the history of the NFL. V, certainly. v go ahead. Okay. 
Um, and that's going to be for years to come. They have Tyreek Hill. They have Mahomes locked up. And I think Le'Veon Bell is going to leave next year. I think he's going to want to try to get one more bite of the apple in free agency. So it's between him, Damian Williams, who hasn't played a year because of COVID, Darrell Williams, who had a serious injury, and Darwin Thompson, former fantasy bust. So I'm going with the running back that's young and a high-powered offense. As someone who loves CEH and I, my bold prediction, I had two of them. One was the CD Lamb would be a top 15 PPR wide receiver, which was very close. And the other one was CEH would be a top five PPR back way back, even when Damian Williams was still on the team and he has the potential, but he was, I mean, his offensive line was not helping him. He was getting negative yards before contact. Like they were just not giving him any type of blocking, but he does have some stuff he needs to work on. He doesn't find the hole as well as you'd like him to. He's that's the kind of thing I'm looking for more in the offseason is his vision. And, uh, you know, someone has a lot of great upside, obviously, with his pass catching ability, led all of college football and catches last year and his last year of LSU. So that's a great, great upside pick there, especially not people not talk about him quite as much there. Johnny, let's go to you next. Which one are you looking at here? I beat the buzzer switching out my headphones. I felt like I was at a pit stop there watching NASCAR or something. But um, <laughs> I had uh, James Robinson because he, he really came out of nowhere and was great on a bad Jags team with subpar quarterback play. So the sky might be the limit for him with Trevor Lawrence. You know, he didn't get a lot of touchdowns, but maybe that changes uh, with somebody playing well. But the one I choose after some clear, I get some clarity. It's really a Homer pick for me, but it's Josh Jacobs. He's still young. Oh my goodness. Year, but he was battling injuries and hip issues all year he played through it. The Raiders offensive line had about 20 different permutations and combinations uh, interchanging different pieces. So I think off season they settle that down. And as long as Gruden's still coach, which I think he has seven years left on the contract, uh, they're going to run the ball, maybe even if they're running it a little too much. So right. Jacobs is there to stay. I expected that marriage to happen, so no shocker there. Brad, wrap us up here. Which running back would you like to get down on one knee for. Yeah, man, I'm going off board again. Um, I like Zach Moss. I'm sure. No, you know, Brad. I'm sure you know Jonathan Taylor and Antonio Gibson and and Josh. You know all the all those guys are gonna you know go number one overall in a few dynasty drafts. But I don't think you're gonna go wrong taking Moss in the rounds following. He runs hard. He's deceptively fast. You know he looks like a bruiser, but you know they're giving him all the red zone carries this year. He's in an offense that loves to run the ball to open up the passing game. Um, I think he can absolutely take more share from Singletary, not just on the ground, but also in the passing game because Singletary was primarily their passing back this year. So he's big on my radar, and I, I like him a lot. You got a reaction from JJ. First time for the show. So I, I <laughs> that's definition of bold right there. No, it's bold, I, yeah. I like it. I like it. Again, someone who didn't think he was off enjoying the hors d'oeuvres, having a few drinks, didn't think his name's going to be called. I'm glad you made his his night tonight. He's a very happy man. We had so, a great date. <laughs> let's move to the wide receiver position, which is just chock full of great young talent here. So many studs to choose from. JJ, I'm envious of the one that you're going to take first here as the one that you would like to propose to for your dynasty team. So I'm going to start with uh, Justin Jefferson uh, because how do you bet against? I think he's a he's he'd be a safe spouse. You know how how do you bet against <laughs> someone who 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 breaks the rookie receiving record? Um, you know he he had everything as a prospect. 
Um, he had everything that you want, at least my prospect model thought so. And, and I, you know, obviously he goes in the, in the mid first round, uh, Philadelphia probably is regretting not, not getting him a little bit at this point. Um, but you know, he go, he comes in, uh, almost immediately, uh, becomes a, a player in the, uh, a strong and, and reliable player in the offense. Then he breaks the single season receiving record. So it's hard to bet against Justin Jefferson. He's not my wide receiver one in dynasty. I still have DK Metcalf ahead of him. Uh, but I do think that he's, he's the wide receiver too, at this point, I would, I would be taking both those guys over like a Devonte Adams. I mean, it depends on what you're really trying to do and how you're trying to build, but I try to go with a little bit more youth. Then the other guy is Terry McLaurin. I apparently have a thing for Washington players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I did entering the year too. I, I feel like every podcast I was like, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, let's do this. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean it, like they, they funnel a lot of looks to, to those guys, obviously, which is great, but uh, you know, McLaurin, two seasons, not in good, not in a good environment at all. Uh, 87 catches and over 1,100 yards uh, with absolute trash at quarterback this year. Um, and based on his yardage total, here's the other reason why I, I kind of like him. Um, because I, I look at, at regre- touchdown regression a lot. Um, and a really easy way to spot touchdown regression at wide receiver uh, is to just look at the, the amount of yards a player scores and divide that by what we've seen traditionally and historically over the last five, 10 years, however you want to do it. And, and you'll see how many touchdowns he should score based on those yards. Uh, and if you look at what McLaurin did this past year, he should have scored more uh, two or three more touchdowns than he did. So the way the market generally looks at these players then is that he's going to be a little bit undervalued more than likely than, than where he should be. Um, and I was doing my rankings and, and looking at where his, his startup ADP was. And there's a decent gap. I think McLaurin is in that like, like right after Calvin Ridley type range or around that Ridley range. I think I might have him above actually. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm high on McLaurin is the bottom line. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, he's, he's had a, a rough time the last couple of years as he's entered the league, all he's done is shown up. So I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. Wow. That Washington team love right there. Even you said even potentially over Ridley too, which I think is, I think a lot of people in the fantasy community are, are super high on Ridley going forward. So that's, yeah. In itself, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to misspeak. I'd have to look at my rankings. <laughs> uh, but it's at least in that in that range. I, I know for a fact that he was back to back with Michael Thomas in my in my rankings. The one the ones that I was just working on this week. So I thought I was going to be the Washington Homer on this one. <laughs> yeah, apparently. apparently I am. John, let's go to you first for the next crop here. Who is your wide receiver or the two wide receivers you're looking at, and then the one you're going to pick? Well, to mix it up a little bit, um, I was. Started with AJ Brown. He's basically Derrick Henry as a wide receiver. Um, he looks great. He, nobody can seem to tackle him. It, it's just fantastic watching him. My only worry would be if Henry starts getting dinged up and all the carries start beating on him, then the, the play action pass is less effective uh, for Tannehill and AJ Brown. But then I have CeeDee Lamb, and I kind of wanted the Raiders to draft him uh, for the NFL draft, but he had a fantastic year with you know, Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci throwing the ball around. So if Dak comes back, it's really just going to be the sky's the limit. He's going to be 5,000 yards passing and, you know, CeeDee Lamb is going to be 1,500 of them. Yep. No, I like, so CeeDee Lamb is your pick. Yeah, I'm giving him the res. I just had oh. both of mine stolen. <laughs> well, Brad, I'm going to let you go to yours. Which of the two stolen ones do you like the best? I had Scary Terry, number one, and then... I was going to shift to CD Lamb, you know, I I kind of had the same reasoning as as Johnny. You know, he's he's going to be having Dak Prescott throw to him next year and even if he's 80% of what he was before he went down, there's no doubt that that's going to be an upgrade from Andy Dalton. 
And Lamb was a wide receiver 22 this year in PPR. So I think to, to expect a regression from him, I don't think that makes much, much sense. I was called crazy on a big podcast for having CeeDee Lamb as my bold prediction as a top 15 wide receiver. And I was so ready to put, to put that out there. <laughs> CeeDee Lamb can come to me too. We can all split CeeDee Lamb. He'll, <laughs> he'll come to me on weekends. You can have him during the week. Uh, Doc, finish this one out for us. You're okay, well, I could show you, or I could tell you mine, or I could show you a picture of mine. That's two, that's, <laughs> AJ, that's two guys. <laughs> AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, two guys that you probably wouldn't want to cover if you're a cornerback. But for me, I'm going to go with AJ Brown. He had four plus catches in 13 out of his 14 games this year. 70 receptions on 106 targets, which was a 69% catch rate. Nice. He is the clear number one in a run-heavy offense that will hopefully rely less on the run over the year. He's fast. He has good hands. He wins 50-50 balls. Great route runner. In 2019, he had six catches that went over 50 yards, so he has a home run threat. And shout-out to Dalton Cates for this staff. For this stat, A.J. Brown has the 12th most PPR points in NFL history for a wide receiver through their first two seasons. He's done this despite only having two career games with 10-plus targets. There you go. I love A.J. Brown as well. He's a great pick. Again, so many wide receivers to choose from. It's a great position now for Dynasty. There's no shortage of talent. Let's go from the the pretty uh, attractive fantasy players in the room, and let's just go to the dumpster fire, the position that's about to come up on stage here, and that's the tight ends. Nobody likes talking about them. Nobody likes looking at them. If they get a touchdown, it's, it's like a, they're just like that bad date that you know what, you had an okay conversation at dinner, and you'll accept that. It was an okay time. You're going to just settle with it. It's fine. So let's let's talk about that position a little bit. And JJ, not a lot of guys to choose from, but which two catch your eye the most? So I'm going to start with TJ Hawkinson. Um, <clears throat> you know, I feel like people didn't fully realize how just he was just solid this year for the most part. He, he fell, fell off a little bit down the stretch, but he was solid. I had 18% target share. He had eight top 10 performances, tied for fifth in points per game. Uh, and if you look at Detroit, there's a lot of question marks uh, with that Detroit team right now where we don't know what the pass catching group is going to look like at all next year. I mean, technically, we don't know if Matthew Stafford's going to be there next year. Um, so there could be some opportunity for TJ Hawkinson to step in and, and get a little bit more of that offense. But I'm going to dig deeper, way deeper. And the other guy I'm going to talk about is Harrison Bryant. Um, so for, for a rookie tight end, uh, playing with Austin Hooper and David Njoku. He didn't really have a bad season at all. I know some of those guys were banged up at times and didn't play, uh, but he had almost an 8% target share in 15 games. He split time with them at, uh, throughout the season as well. Uh, 24 catches, 238 yards. I know that those lines don't look very spectacular, but for rookie tight ends, you don't generally see very good lines in general. And then David Njoku, uh, there's a, he has a team option this year. Um, so who knows what goes on with that, that tight end group. And then Cleveland, as we know, uh, their offense runs with a lot of tight ends. They run a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. Um, so there's a chance that Harrison Bryant steps up. I mean, I'm not overly impressed with the kinds of players that Austin Hooper and David Njoku are in general either, right? I mean, there's there's a really a, a very real chance that Harrison Bryant just ends up being the best pass-catching tight end on this team because he's talented and he's good. So uh, to me, I think uh, startup ADP over on Dynasty League Football, uh, right now he was like tight end 23 or something. Uh, so he's, he's my, my big value at the position right now. So I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to go with him of the two. 
JJ, the, all these takes, I love it. They're not the, the ones I was prepared for. And no, always- Seth, and no Seth DeValve to take his playing time. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Brad, let's go to you to for the next one here. Which one are you picking? Yeah, man, I'm going to go with a guy that's going to be a 2021 rookie with this position. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care where he gets drafted. I don't care you know, who he gets drafted to. This is based off no data, no scouting, no analytics, just the fact that he was unstoppable at Florida this year. And I'm sure a fraction of that's going to translate next year. He's just too talented. He moves like a, a slot wide receiver. He's got the size. He's got great hands. He runs great routes. I'm excited to see what he does. Kyle Pitts is being talked about more than any tight end I can remember ever hearing about coming out. Like he's Eric Ebron, I think was one that I remember hearing this much about, but, but nothing like Kyle Pitts. The only destination that gives me a little bit of pause, if you were to go to Philly, just the fact of the unsure quarterback situation and Dallas Goddard is in the slouch himself. So if they try to do that two tight end thing. Yeah. I was about to say they love those two tight end sets, man. They could work. I don't know. That's the only one that I wouldn't be as happy about, but again, a lot can a lot's gonna change obviously from now to then. So it'll be very interesting to see where he goes. Doc, who is yours? Well, I think part of the reason that Kyle Pitts is getting hyped up is because he's very similar to Gronk. They're both six six and ran four six eight forties. Uh Kyle Pitts is just twenty six pounds lighter. Did you compare him to Gronk? I said they're measurables or they're okay. combine numbers. Um, but for me it's Irv Smith, and I was really big on him last offseason, so maybe just a little too uh, happy year before he missed three games with back injuries this year and he had limited snaps in another three but when he was finally healthy for the fantasy playoffs you saw his upside scoring 16.3 6.7 and 23.3 let's be real the Vikings defense is awful so I think they're going to be in a lot of come from behind games where they're going to need to throw the ball and I've read that Kyle Rudolph could be gone he's a candidate so you take those snaps and you give them to Irv Smith and he could be your dynasty tight end one for the future. It's actually not a bad take as your guy here, but since I haven't given you this yet, my fart button's frozen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like a little, little, long, little long to take that fart, huh? Won't come out. There you go. I had to trash one of your takes. Okay, thanks. even though it's a good one. John, wrap us up here with tight ends. I mean, I was just curious, so I did look at just all the tight ends drafted in 2020, and it is a, a list of accolades with Cole Komet, Devin Asiasi, Josiah Digger, just a lot of Dalton Keene, just a lot of big names that, you know, had a lot of splashy plays for sure. But um, I, I guess I'd have to go with Noah Font. I'm not a big fan of the tight end position, especially because if you're trying to, you might as well get a, a good one. So it's kind of a, I know Dynasty is a little different, but um Nobody young is that great so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think the team name I've seen most this offseason and towards the end of last year was Cole Komet. I think there's going to be a lot of people hopping on the Cole Komet train. So I'll be interested to see. Uh, JJ, what are you, what's your assessment of Cole Komet? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously it was good to see them start to give him a little bit more love down the stretch in terms of playing time. Uh, you always have to question how he's he's losing time to to Jimmy Graham. Although Jimmy Graham had a decent year, he didn't he yeah, didn't he look at, those touchdowns, man. He, he, he didn't he didn't he didn't look as much of a of, of a dad runner as he did the previous season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like Komet. Right, he has the right measurables. I mean, the tight end position at least when I, when I look at it analytically, I don't have a model for it. I only model running backs and wide receivers because it's so freaking hard to, to put anything together with the tight end position because there's just so many moving parts. It's really difficult to, to prospect. 
Um, but really what I found, what it comes down to is athleticism. It matters so much for fantasy purposes. If you look at uh, the, the the biggest breakouts and the best tight ends we've seen over the last decade, almost all of them rank in the 86th percentile or better in speed score. So height adjusted 40 time. So if you just look at that and you say, oh, this guy's athletic, this guy's not, um, that alone can at least filter out some players and, and you can at least, uh, you know, have a higher chance of hitting. I feel like Jimmy Graham. I feel like Jimmy Graham has to retire. He ended on a great catch in the in the oh, yeah. uh, in the Superdome in the Superdome where he got drafted, and he ran off. Like that's perfect. That's riding off into the sunset. You literally can't go out on top besides winning a Super Bowl. There you go, JJ. But, I'm curious. What do you find to be most predictive, uh, and you know, forecasting um, statistics going forward for running backs and wide receivers? Yeah. So, like from a prospecting standpoint. Yeah, or even you know, if you want to, you know, rank yeah, rank players. Like, how do you go about your projection? Yeah, so um, so well, the projections and such are definitely a top-down approach. So I'm looking at team level stuff first, and then it sort of splits off into into target shares and 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 uh, rush shares and stuff like that. Um, but the one thing that at the NFL level that's stickiest year over year is straight up volume. So players who were like my my philosophy in a lot of this is that. If a player's good, he's going to see volume. Obviously, there's going to be yeah. some terrible coaching decisions and such. And I, I think that happens more so at the running back position. I mean, the running back position is one where coaches dictate that volume more than the wide receiver position because the wide receiver has to get open in order to see a target. So that's a skill, right? Seeing a target is a skill, which is part of the reason why I've I've sort of, sh- you know, I, I don't think that the the notion that Deontay Johnson is bad because he's inefficient is really that valid only because he's seeing so much volume and that's right. a good thing. They're trying to get him the ball. It's the same thing in because college. When, yeah, that's a good thing. It's the same thing in college when you're looking at, at players who do everything when they're, when they're kicking punt returners too, uh, uh-huh. because that tells you that coaches are putting them on the field because they're playmakers and they're really good. So right. my model, for instance, at the, at the college level is very market share based. So it's looking at uh, yards per team attempt, for instance, at, at wide receiver. So you know, you're looking at efficiency slash, you know, how, how good they were doing per, per attempt for that team, per pass attempt for that team. Uh, and then at the running back position, it's looking at, at similar metrics. I mean, it's, it's yards per team play and stuff like that. Um, just to see which guys are dominating within their team environment. And that generally translates in some way. And you can do the same thing at the NFL level too. I mean, yards per team pass attempts at, for, for wide receivers, uh, at the NFL level, people usually just talk about it at the college level, but at the NFL level is actually pretty predictive year over year for how well these guys are, are going to end up performing. So uh, it's just stuff like that. But a lot of, a lot of the stuff is, is really truly volume based because that's what's stickiest year over year. That is why his bachelor players are happy to be with him. And you guys three <laughs> were the consolation prizes. That is why they are leaving happy right now. So lucky players there, but let's get from bachelor talk and let's go to our question of the week. And our question of the week is sponsored by Shady Rays. Take it away, Doc. Fellas, my girlfriend hates that I'm proactive. And it's weird because I thought women liked a man that took charge. Did you guys know it's 59 days until daylight savings time? That means it's time to get some shades because the days are getting longer. Shady Rays got you covered. Whether you're going hiking, kayaking, playing toss with your Shady Rays, maybe accidentally sit on them. They got you covered because if anything happens, scratched, dented, broken, they're going to send you a new pair. You want to feel good about yourself and giving back? 
Well, they donate 10 meals for every pair bought. They've already done 13 million to date, which was Russell Okun's salary for this past year. Now he was paid half in Bitcoin, so maybe inflation has worked a little bit on that. If you're like what I'm saying, then get yourself a pair of Shady Rays. Use the code Triple Play and get 25% off. This applies to everything besides the RX series. Fellas, be like me, be proactive, and drive your girlfriend crazy. There we go. So the question of the week sponsored by Shady Rays is what position in fantasy do you seem to always have the most success drafting? Do you hit on those late-round quarterbacks? Do you hoard a farm of backup running backs? Snag a wide receiver that steps into the ascension phase? like those tight ends you wait on, all those types of things where you just seem to have that that little bit like that touch where they always seem to do amazing for you wherever you draft them. So, JJ, you're the guest. I'm starting with you. Is there any sp- specific position that you seem to always draft really well? Um, I, I'm going to go with the running back position because there, there's two reasons for it. The first reason being, uh, you know, generally, you know, not only are you seeing if the guy is good and talented and, and you want – you know, as I just said, uh, the running back position is usually the, the volume is dictated by coaching decision, right? Because if a guy's not on the field, he's not going to see any work and, and he's not going to matter for fantasy. Um, but you you hope that talent wins out at the running back position. So you still care about talent. You still, you know, you, you want to make sure that these guys are, are on the field. Um, so you can sort of read between the lines with the running back position a little bit and, and what reports are saying, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but on top of that, you know, I don't necessarily prospect the running back position better than I do wide receiver, I would say. Um, but the one thing with running backs, and this is probably a little bit more redraft focused than dynasty, but it still applies to dynasty as well. Um, there's a dead zone every single year with the running back position. And it's the RB twos, the traditional mm-hmm. RB twos that are drafted, whether you're talking this past year, like Todd Gurley uh, and that, that whole group that was going in rounds like three, four, and five Devin Singletary was one. Uh, these guys, what what happens in in fantasy drafts is people know that they need running backs, and that you know there's a supply and demand uh, balance with all these positions. Where quarterback, you only start one of them, so you can get these guys late. Wide receivers and running backs, you need a lot of them, and that's what pushes people to draft them earlier and earlier. Uh, and at the running back position, it dries up so fast, and then fantasy managers are like, "What do I do?" And so they they they're forced to get Le'Veon Bell in the third and fourth round when he's sitting on on this Jets team that's complete trash. And it doesn't make a lot of, it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense logically to to do it, but but it does from the standpoint of demand and what you really really need uh, in your fantasy lineup. So it's this combination of I can spot the talent, sure. I don't think that I'm like an amazing talent evaluator compared to the rest of the people that that look at this stuff, but I'm looking at it from more of a game theory perspective and what generally happens with average draft position to postseason result, and it's really easy to look at the running, this is why I go with a modified zero RB approach every single year where it's a, a, a running back or two early, maybe in the first two rounds, that's fine. Just pound wide receivers for a while and then worry about your running backs again in round seven, eight, nine, because real, realistically, historically, the difference between rounds seven to 10 running backs is not dramatically different than rounds four and five running backs. I just took down copious notes for my draft next year. <laughs> so JJ, it's kind of interesting because I feel like everybody always is like, leave with running back running back and then you can just attack wide. you have your two studs at the top then you can hit wide receivers and then or people like to just snag a whole bunch of running backs later on and just hoard all the backups and then just wait for that player to go off but i I like your strategy because you're like okay maybe get one but then the guys that you'll get later on are going to make their way into your lineup and you can get all the stud wide receivers that everybody's passing on in the beginning so I, i like that strategy a lot johnny what about yours 
kickers, baby. It's awesome. You just look at uh, how efficient uh, the offense is, if they're scoring a lot, and if they stink in the red zone. Like the Raiders had a great offense, but they also couldn't get in the end zone, and Daniel Carlson was phenomenal. You have so, an eye uh, for kickers. JJ, <laughs> the best way to draft an RB2 is to just draft a top kicker. So um, we're gonna get in the soapbox now. As I, I'm, I'm big on drafting, uh, drafting a top kicker. You know, you got your your top guys, your Tuckers, your Butkers, your um, uh, Lutzes. But this year, I drafted Young Way Koo, who had 168 points. That's RB 24. Like that's absurd. So if you can get a top three or four kicker, but it has to be a top three or four kicker, otherwise you're screwed. <laughs> but if you can get a top three or four kicker. You absolutely have running back to production. So I, I love drafting kickers. Well, there's Brad's strategy right there, right in the kicker wave. Doc, finish this one out. I am a god at picking defense and special teams. I always go to JJ, because so JJ's on this pod, <laughs> Andrew's a running back, and we have two kickers and a defense. Like, what, what is going on here? All right. To be fair, you knew I was going this way. I always take two defenses. So, like this year, I stacked up a lot on Tampa and Pittsburgh. And a couple of years ago, I hit on the Bears. Because if you think about it, there's scarcity value at the position. There's going to be defenses like the Raiders that will probably finish with negative for the season or the Falcons. But if you can get two five, top five or top six defenses, you're going to have that advantage playing your opponent's defense more weeks often than not. Okay. i probably going to get a lot of negative reviews now because of all the defense and kicker talk. Thank you, JJ, for providing good <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to the last part of the show, and that's going to be our game of the week. All right. Game of the week is hosted by none other than Brad Stradamus. So, Brad, what are we playing? We're going to play a quick game today. It's going to call. It's going to be called Where Did They Finish? I'm going to name five different players, and you're going to tell me where they finished in their fantasy football ranking this year. All right. So you'll get you'll get one point for being the closest, and if you can guess the actual uh, rank that they finished in, you'll get an additional point. So I'll go around the horn. I'll go JJ first, then Johnny, then Eric, and then David, and we'll do that. We'll keep that same rotation each time. All right. All right. So the first one's going to be a running back. We're going to do Ezekiel Elliott. This, this is, is PPR, PPR. right? Yes, sir. Is this is this cumulative and not not points per game? This is cumulative. Okay, Zeke. I'm gonna say RB eleven. John, I think you're up. Twelve. <laughs> yeah, it's like prices right now. Yeah, <laughs> fourteen. I think he finished better than people think. I'll price his right the other direction to JJ and go 10. That's one point for David. He was RB9. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Shocking. I feel like I'm, a, I'm at a disadvantage start. here going first. Well, let's have Johnny are, go next. Are. Let's have Johnny go next. No, 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 no. He's in the numbers. He has to go first. That's He's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we will do David Montgomery. Ooh. Uh, I will say RB7. Damn, I was gonna go eight, but I don't want to look like I'm keep doing that. Um, I'll go, <laughs> I'll go RB nine. <laughs> I'm gonna go RB six. I think he actually was RB four. I, I think he was in the top five. 
That's two points for David. He was RB4. Nice. Nice. Wow. A crazy run at the end, man. Yeah. He was really killing it. You know what? I thought he was four, but I was like, yeah, maybe that's in the half PPR league we do. Yeah. My my issue, my brain automatically is thinking more like points per game and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, wait, James Robinson missed that time at the end of the year. And I'm like racking my brain about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for this one, we're going to switch to quarterbacks. Derek Carr. Oh, God. Am I going first again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He played okay, so he played most most games. Uh, QB seventeen. I'll go QB fifteen. I think he was QB thirteen. John, you should be getting this one right. This is your quarterback. I'll no, say Marcus Mariota is my quarterback. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, did someone already say QB fourteen? It doesn't matter because Eric got two points with QB 13. Dang. Why you tied me? Or no, no, I have a one point lead because I got it exactly on the nose from Montgomery. That's right. Yeah, you got a one point lead right now. All right. Now we're going to my guy, but he disappointed me this year. Cam Newton. (laughs) What does he finish with? This is actually a lot of, really, a lot of rushing touchdowns. This one's really tough because of the, because <laughs> of the rushing. Because I gave up on I had him in a bunch of leagues and I gave up on him early. Uh, eight this year. Can you believe it? Yeah, no, I think I had, I had him right after like the Josh Allen area and stuff. Uh, I'll probably say all that rushing. I mean, he might be he might be like QB eleven. That might not even be remotely right, Johnny. I, th- I think he's low, but like I think he's probably QB 22 because all those rushing touchdowns can't offset getting 100 yards passing. I think he was QB. It was either QB 20 or 21. I'm going to go QB 20. He had a negative game, and I remember one of our friends was going crazy. Oh, that's he had, right. He had like negative point two. I had the number in my head of 21, so I'll stick with 21. That's a point to JJ. He was QB 15. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's oh, on the man. board. All right, we'll round it out. I know we're short on time, so we'll keep it to five this time. We're going to round it out with Marvin Jones Jr. Ooh, this is a good one. Ooh, this is a really good one because his second half of the season, he was a, a top 12 wide receiver. Um, but the first half, he was garbage. Uh, I'll say, so he was healthy. I'll say wide receiver... 25. Oh, darn it. Uh, I'll go wide receiver 21. Go wide receiver 27. So I was originally going to say like wide receiver 11. And now I feel like I'm such in a minority right now. But you know what? They they say to win big, you got to guess big. So I'm going to say. I, I don't think anybody says that. I, I just made it up. So wide receiver 11. The answer is wide receiver 18. I was not paying attention I to think that's before, me. So I'm going to give that to JJ. Nope, I'm giving <laughs> it to JJ. <laughs> but I think I, Eric, or, no, no, I think Dave is the winner with three. Is that right? I am. And I will thank the Academy for this win. It's another one on the mantle, but I will give the rest of my FaceTime to JJ, who I really appreciate coming on the show with us tonight. And if you want to just plug anything else that you're doing, where the listeners can find you, stuff you're working on all that good stuff. Again, we really appreciate having you on. 
Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Late Round QB. Uh, my podcast, the Late Round Podcast. I do four of them a, a week in season, off season. I can breathe a little bit. I do two of them a week. Uh, but you can find that anywhere podcasts can be found. Again, the true man. Again, if if you know us and you don't know JJ, I don't know what you're doing with your life. But great follow. Make sure you check him out. Thank you everybody for listening, watching. We hope you enjoy the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Next week, we have Mr. Matthew Berry, TMR, coming on the show. So we hope you guys really enjoy that episode. That will be on next week. But until then, we will talk to you soon. See you guys later. Go Browns!